Well, welcome back. Uh, I'm Lee Allen, the duty geezer at uh, Southside Hitman. And with me again, my son, Will Allen, for our two-generational look at what's going on with the Sox. This time, I don't think we have to go back through personal histories as we did a week ago, but I think we should claim great credit because since we did our first little chat, the Sox haven't lost a game. That is true. And it's got to be on us. I get extra credit because I wrote a piece going into the twin series saying, first of all, that they don't hit very well as a team, which was right, but that Nelson Cruz is an absolute beast. I even pictured him as Superman, and he has stunk. So I take credit for jinxing him <laughs> on that one. I think you're taking a little more credit than is due, but uh, that's fair. The the not having lost thing is is real. That's legit. Yes. That's the two of us together. We definitely did that. Yeah. So once again, we're being allowed an opportunity to uh, pretend that we know what we're talking about when it comes to baseball. <laughs> and we get into we're, we're in the middle of the Minnesota series. It has gone really well. The first game, as far as baseball goes, was something horrible to behold. But, but the outcomes have been good for both. And now the Sox are up three games, four in the lost column, uh, and with the number one record in the American League. Oh, which is very nice. What a sentence. <laughs> If the season ended today, Sox are number one seed. Mm -hmm. Number eight seed is Cleveland. That's not the greatest thing that can happen. Indians can't hit other than two or three guys. Facing Shane Bieber for your first playoff game in 12 years, it's, it's just not attractive. Yeah, you. I mean, that is, that's a nightmare first round matchup. In, in a best of three series and you got to face Shane Bieber first and don't get me wrong. We're going to have Giolito going in that game. Um, but Bieber has been, I mean, he's a, he's a Cy Young favorite for sure right now. Uh, the, yeah. The Sox uh, actually did okay against him, but uh, the one time they faced him, but that was very early on before he kind of settled in and, and become just unhittable. They have though, the same kind of really big problem that the Sox have, which is timing pitching rotation into the playoffs. We were talking on, on Wednesday, the 16th, Lucas Giolito is scheduled to pitch tonight. That would be the 21st and the 26th, which would mean he wouldn't pitch till game three of a series, which might not have a game three if he doesn't pitch. So you've got to completely rearrange and not nicely. Uh, for one thing, Giolito does not historically do well uh, if he's not right on pace, if he's not on a five-day rotation. He doesn't do well with extra rest. Starting pitchers are very habitual. He's more habitual than most. Uh, so you want that extra day's rest to come in the regular season, and if he stinks, he stinks. And who cares? Uh, and he's just set up. So he would have to go eight days, seven days between starts in order for it to time out for him to pitch on the 29th of September for the first game of the playoffs. Well, that is what you do. That is absolutely what he has to do. He has to figure it out. You do not get to not pitch game one when you're an ace just because it doesn't work with your rest schedule, especially if you're talking about having more rest 
than than usual. Yet, yeah, so I, think, I think the rest has to come this next time. He pitches today, and he doesn't pitch again until the 24th. Totally. And you fill in. If you if you got to pitch Renato Lopez again, you do it. If you got to have a bullpen day, you do it. I think uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow they've talked about Keuchel coming back tomorrow. Mistake, because Keuchel again would be in a terrible rotation. He'd be scheduled to pitch the last game of the regular season. So I think you pitch Stever tomorrow. Well, I think Keuchel's not coming back tomorrow. I I think that is just something that stayed in the vocabulary to keep the Twins on their feet. Uh, keep them on their toes. Um, but I, I'd be shocked if Dallas Keuchel pitches tomorrow, especially after he, winning the first two games. There's just – what we no were to do was split and, this series, and we already did that. Uh, and they're pitching Kanta Maeda tomorrow, which is going to be a tough call anyway. Um, so you want him to pitch on the 25th, which would be the 20th, which is – his, he would come off the IL to pitch on Sunday. That would work out perfectly. He'd have a couple times into normal rotation to be ready for game two of the playoffs. Also, it's Dallas Keuchel. You know, just let him come back when he's healthy. He's a Cy Young winner. He knows what he has to do to win. Um, I'm not. I'm not concerned about that tonight. Tonight will determine a lot because if we win and Tigers lose, Mariners lose. Uh, then we've clinched a playoff spot. So all of your all of your thinking changes once that's safe, and then you want to get the division safe. Um, but with this new playoff format and how locations will work and home field advantage is sort of a thing, but not really a thing, um, I think the important thing is just making sure that those two guys are healthy to go games one and two. That's what Absolutely. And then – I will insist that game three, unless there's a big change in the next two weeks, we can have whatever it is. It's Dane Dunning. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. But uh, I will say, last week, when you were trying to poo-poo Dylan and Dane. I wasn't poo pooing Dane. I was just saying he doesn't have much experience. Well, he looks like he gets it. I'll poo-poo Dylan Cease all you want, and I will do it again. Four and two-thirds innings, five hits, five walks. He got away with one run. Did you read the fan graphs piece on him at all? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I was talking to my friend Bezod yesterday, and I, I was pointing out that 538 has the Boston Celtics at a 60% chance to win the NBA Finals, which is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and I was like, well, what's up with this? And he was like, well, the Rockets had a 63% chance of beating the Lakers before they even won game one. He was like, there is a reason we play the game. There is a reason that we don't look at the stat sheet and say, this is who wins this game. You play the game. And I don't know why it's working out for Dylan Cease. (laughs) Maybe he's a really good guy. Maybe he gives a lot to charity. Uh, Maybe he's been serving up soup uh, at the soup kitchens, but it's all working out right now. (laughs) And I'm not going to jinx it. I think he's great. I think he's going to be good. Uh, Dunning is clearly much better already. But, you know, I think if Dylan Cease can become a decent four or five, great. Well, he certainly would have to be with him. But, of course, you only use four starting pitchers once you're into the playoffs anyway. And the way this thing goes, 
after the best of three, you don't play again until October 5th because they set up, they set up the, uh, the bubble. So right. next, uh, the, the division series starts on October 5th. So there's a long gap in there. So you can set up any kind of pitching rotation you want. Yeah. In that period easily. Uh, even if you go the full three games, but it's getting that Giolito and Keiko and it really doesn't matter which order, but has to be Keiko and Giolito in some order pitching games one and two. Yeah. Potentially, you even throw Keiko in game one of that series just go just to no. go the experience. Yeah, it, it, I, I don't think it matters between between the two of them. I, they're both pitching very well. Uh, it depends if Keiko's healthy or not, of course. But presuming he's healthy and, and this is all just a let's get him a little relaxation before we go down the stretch thing. I really appreciate the the bubble setup actually and having that break because doing the best of three series um, and having that mess up everyone's rotations and, you know, do, winning your best of three and then having to go throw your number four starter in game one uh, of a, whatever that series would be called now, division. They're still calling it division. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not the baseball you want to see in the playoffs. You don't want the weird COVID series to, change what would have been a, a solid division series um, in previous years. So I do appreciate the bubble. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great for people to line up. You, you want to see, even though you want an advantage, you always want to beat the best players. You always want to beat their number one. You want to beat their number two, because if you beat their number one, and number two, your confidence is soaring going into their bad pitchers. And that's how you win a series. You win a series by taking that level of confidence out of game one and two and just crushing the, the lesser pitchers further down the line, which is what we're hoping doesn't happen to Dylan Peace. Yeah, that's a problem. But I think in, for this interim where, you, where you're going to have uh, an eight-day period for Giolito to line up, which I, which I presume is what they're going to do, uh, although I, I thought if I had a background behind me set up, I was going to make it the blackboard from Goodwill Hunting because that's how confusing it's going to be for Ricky Renneria to uh, try to uh, manipulate the pitching just the way he wants to do it. I, but I think other managers have the same thing. It's pointed out Cleveland at least has the same kind of problem going forward. But we, I don't also, think we also have to acknowledge, though, that this problem is not the same as it would have been in previous years because we didn't have nine guys who could hit the ball 500 feet. Well, right now we have <laughs> seven guys who can hit the ball 500 feet. Uh, and so this, this all isn't quite as life or death <laughs> as it would have been in previous years when we were capable of scoring half a run per game. Uh, and now we're in a position where we can routinely put up six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and I know we got a lot of new guys and going into the playoffs, but I actually really think this is the perfect environment for Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal to, to break loose, to bust loose in the playoffs because you don't have the pressure of another team's home crowd. And I think that is really what would mess with these young guys come to the playoffs. But they're going to be in empty stadiums. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think we could see oh, definitely. some spectacular – White Sox baseball in October. Speaking of speaking of the hitters, the two biggest ones 
Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. I mean, there are a bunch of guys hitting well, and Eloy is coming out of what had been kind of a mini slump and, and hitting very well lately. Uh, Grandal's hitting much better. McCann's hitting better. You can go on and on. That it comes down uh, to the MVP thoughts. And I am wearing, I don't know if this is the visible here at all. Is that the Abreu? Uh, yeah. Abreu shirt. But whilst wearing an Abreu shirt, much as I love Jose, my vote goes to Tim. Oh. And I know there's a great prejudice in MVPs in favor of power. But I keep going back. When he was out, when Anderson was out on the IL for 10 days, couldn't score more than three runs except one game at extra innings. He comes back, and all of a sudden, it's the 1926 Yankees. Uh, he well, you got a guy who's working it. He's what? He's he's gotten a hit in the leadoff of bat half the time or something absurd like that. He's hitting 450 in the first at bat or something like that. It's it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd leadoff numbers. I do agree. I think Tim is a great candidate, especially if he's going to hit 380, 390. It's going to be really tough to be like, ah, oh, the guy hitting 390 doesn't deserve it. However. Jose is what fired off this stretch. And when the rest of the team has been lacking, Jose has come through. And I'm talking about pretty strictly the last three weeks. And you're talking about a guy who's put in, I, I, I am not in favor of the Sandra Bullock blindside Oscar. So like, I'm not all about a body of work award, uh, a full career body of work award. Uh, however, Jose has had to play on some dreadful teams, and now he is leading what is the most exciting Sox team we've seen in years. He's, he's a veteran. He's been good throughout all of that time, even on stinky teams. He hasn't always been great, but he's been really good. And if he keeps it up, if he even keeps pace, I think you got to give it to Jose Abreu. He's, he's earned it. He really has. He is the leader of this team. That being said, Tim Anderson is also a great leader. I love his community work. He's, a, he's an activist. He's very vocal. And he's the most fun player in all of baseball. And despite how ESPN ranked him as the ninth most exciting player, he is number Could one. Who first? Who, who was number one? Uh, Tatis, I think. Tatis Jr. Might oh, the one who should be on the socks, you mean? <laughs> yes. Luis Robert was number three, which I get as well because the, the center field defense is remarkable. But Tim Anderson is the most exciting guy. He, he is. And, uh, and it's interesting. Defensively, of course, Jose has been historically horrible. Uh, some years, the very worst full-time first baseman in baseball. Suddenly, he is a positive and defensive run saved and all the other oozer and all the other metrics that you've got. Tim is a negative, which he's always been, uh, but a, a very slight negative. He's better this year, but he's, yeah, still, he's, got his, year. he's still got his strange moments uh, in the field. Uh, but at any rate, so you don't have the, well, this one's a shortstop, so he gets a lot more credit for defense than this one who's only a first baseman, which is a normal uh, – thinking path. So I mean, it's interesting. I don't think Sox fans will be real upset if either one of them happens to get it. Um, I don't think so either. And Tim, Tim was, he was very vocal that 
if Jose wins it, that's that's a win for for the team. And I think that would be the best way to sort of honor this resurgence is to to give it to the guy who hung in there. However, I can't get behind this like rubber band beard thing Abreu's got going on. <laughs> and if that costs him the award, I understand. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you, you got to have your priorities. Yeah, because, you know, Tim is always dressed to the nines, always looking sharp. He's got his own fashion label kind of now. And Jose is doing this rubber band on the beard. And I, I mean, I get it. When you're hot, baseball, the most superstitious sport of all sports, uh, you got to keep your things. You got to do your thing. There's a reason I listened to Mr. Brightside by the Killers before every start pitching my senior year. I did it once and it worked. <laughs> uh, so clearly Jose is, is holding on to this little beard nub. <laughs> the, one thing, the one thing I have to say negatively, having, having just said he's my MVP, very negatively about Tim, you don't see this because you're out in California and you're watching on, uh, I presume, MLB.com, uh, whereas I'm watching the local feed here and I'm, seeing watching the local... the, I'm watching the Benetti Stone feed. But you don't get the commercials, right? No. You no. don't get the local commercials. No. Tim's doing a commercial where he's like back and forth with the guy. Maybe, and, and you know, ballgame commercials can be the worst things ever to appear on a screen. And, and as an actor, you appreciate the final, the, the, the fine points of awfulness of them. But his commercial, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and they really, you know, to save face, <laughs> he, he probably at least act to, asked to recut it. And, and of course, he's doing it with the business owner. So you can't very well say, well, get the other guy out of there and I'll have a better scene partner. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, it's a weakness. Um, that's all can be said about it, really. I mean, it could be worse. You could have Nomar Mazzara doing those commercials, who seems to somewhat be void of any personality. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, in these commercials, the, Tim's great personality, he left it outside the studio. <laughs> well, Tim is best when Tim's getting to be Tim, and I bet when he's put in the commercial setting, He's not really allowed to to do his thing. I, it, no, I, I think it was a scripted thing. It wasn't just a freelance, we're going to wing it for 30 seconds. And uh, he'll learn. I mean, he'll, he'll become there, a better commercial doer. Was there a good bat flip, though? No. I mean, he just stands there. There's not, only, there's not a bat flip. There's not a, a not a you know smooth move. Not, just, just, just. Mm. How do you not have Tim Anderson bat flip and then say something like, and you'll flip over our prices. I mean, it's right there. It's already written for you. Tim flipped the bat probably in hope of lucrative commercial deals where they talk about flipping over prices. And here we go. It's, it's blown. It's over. They could, they could have him go diving for a ball to his right and say, you'll want to dive right into the prices. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of alternatives here instead of, he doesn't. I, am, I am here with White Sox betting champion Tim Anderson, and Tim gets into the rhythm of hi. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should not go off on this. I'm sorry, Tim, but at least, well, that's one 
piece of uh, retired uh, athlete you don't have to worry about competing with as far as getting roles. I, I think okay. you're safe. No kidding. <laughs> hey, he's not going to be mad. You're, he's your MVP pick, so. I, I, right. think, yeah. I think that's fair enough. So meanwhile, we got we've got two games uh, left with the Twins. Mm-hmm. Go to Cincinnati, in whose turf you grew up, in whose turf I lived for 31 years and never became a fan of the Reds. In my case, because I couldn't stand the, all that big red machine crap from the 70s, and then we moved there in, in 1981. Um, but in, in your case, just because you were indoctrinated by somebody into being a Sox fan from the start, and you became an Astros fan in the National League because of, of Craig Vigio, uh, more, I think, more than anything. But for the record, no longer an Astros fan in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I don't need those hate tweets. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll save it that way. But I will say one thing, the Reds have been a humongous disappointment. They're playing pretty well right now. They've won four in a row with all some of that's the Pirates, so, uh, yeah. It doesn't really count. Have the Reds been a disappointment, or did everyone just, for some weird reason, pick the Reds to be amazing, and that was based on nothing? Because the preseason, everyone's like, the Reds, the Reds. There were more people picking them than the White Sox. And I was like, I I get it. I get that they're going to be better than the absolutely dreadful team that they've been. But I feel like the Reds are pretty much right where I expected them to be. Unfortunately, the Cubs are playing better than I'd hoped, but uh, I'm not too worried about the Reds. The one thing the Reds have on us, hands down, Great American Ballpark. That is a name for your home field. It beats guaranteed rate with a downward-facing arrow by about 60 gazillion points of class. That's a nice ballpark for that matter. But to be fair, when the Sox adapted that downward arrow, they were, they were trending downward. So it was only fair. But I think guaranteed rates should now switch to higher mortgages and higher percentages so we, so we can, can have an upward facing arrow <laughs> up to reflect the team. But yes, Great American Ballpark, it is also. I think a really lovely place to watch a game when you're in the upper deck. You've got that view of the Ohio River. Um, it's a it's a really nice, really nice park. It is. It is a nice place. And your sister looks out her office window into the ballpark. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And this year, when, it, when she has it, it right year. now, her office window is, is in is in her basement or something. <laughs> True. She has an office window. It looks down into the ballpark. But she knows she knows what it looks like seeing the Reds play in front of nobody because she worked there last year. <laughs> That's right. It, it works out. After that will come uh, the Indians, which could, if it's things stayed the same, be a preview of the first round of the playoffs. Um, Who would you so want in the first round? Who would you want? Boy, I mean, think about it. There's nobody you want. It. It. Every. Every team, there's a certain, yeah, I don't know. Even the Astros, who are not, have not been good, they keep talking about Verlander being back. Yeah. And if that really, I mean, you say, well, who, no pitcher can come back and immediately go into the playoffs. Well, if there's any pitcher alive today who could do that, it's Justin Verlander. Yeah. And so you'd be facing Verlander and Granke. 
that's not attractive. True, true. That being said, it would be very sweet to knock out the cheating team in the first round yeah, there, as there a rematch nice. of the uh, 2005 World Series. Yes, that would be very nice. And yeah. it, it looks like we'll be facing somebody down. I mean, even if we we should take the division at this point, but even if something happens and we don't, uh, we should be in the no no lower than four or five, probably four. So you're facing one of the teams that either came in in third place or the the lesser second place teams. It's a, the Yankees. If they you know their people are starting to get healthy. That's yeah. not a good. I would rather. I think I'd rather have the Yankees. Uh, I think I'd definitely rather have the Blue Jays if they make it in. Uh, I really don't want the Twins. There was a little while there where it looked like that could happen. Uh, Cleveland, I'm okay with, but you. I mean, you have to have Giolito have his best day of the year to take down Shane Bieber. Um, well, and, and they're pitching. They've got a lot more pitching than just Bieber. They got no hitting, so. You've got to just make sure your defense is good and you're not giving them four outs any inning because – They've got no hitting, but they have a lot of guys who have a history of hitting the ball. And I feel like when that wakes up, Cleveland is just as tough as we thought they were going to be. It's a all told a, a difficult situation. Best uh, of three things. I mean, it's just – this is just a totally bizarre season that's going to have a – bizarre playoffs that will end in a bizarre fashion where the Padres may get to play home games the entire playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true. Meanwhile, I think we are about a time. We'll get back next week, which will really be a time to look at the playoffs because we'll be down to the the final few games of the regular season. Right now, looking forward to uh, Lucas Giolito on the mound against the Twins and see if we can just keep it going right there. Absolutely.